Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Hey there, and welcome to the Best Practices in Human Resources podcast. I am Brenda, the HR lady, the one and only, and I'd like to thank you for listening to the show. Uh, I, If you're a returning listener, thank you so much for returning for another episode. And if you're a first-time listener, welcome. You guys are absolutely awesome coming back time and time again. And I am here to help share with you the what and the how in human resources because I'm in the human business. And that means a greater number of dynamics in the workplace to balance and manage. And before I get into my normal little jive here, we are episode 95. Holy cow. And I got to tell you something. You're going to want to tune in. Episode number 100 is going to be awesome. I am flying out for to actually go interview a very special guest and super excited, but I'm not telling you anything other than that. So definitely be tuning in uh, to the next several weeks. We got a lot of really great content coming your way. Uh, Matter of fact, we're going to be talking about, you know, Tesla. We're going to be looking at U-Haul. They got an awesome episode coming up with an Enneagram specialist and, uh, and of course, some other really great information. So stick around. There's some good stuff coming your way. All right. So today, we're going to be talking about, we're going to be sharing with you poster updates, everybody's favorite. We've got employment law changes that are happening across the nation because there is a lot of movement right now, which is very typical when we get a new president or a president uh, begins a new term. So we see a lot of this. Um, our main topic today, we're going to be talking about questions that I get regarding mandating the COVID vaccines at work. And I'm going to teach you guys how to get into the conversation. So before we begin, folks, that the information through this podcast isn't, in fact, for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing any form of legal advice. You really should contact your attorney to obtain legal advice with respect to a particular issue. If you do not have an employment attorney, go ahead and contact us. Contact me, reach out, and may be able to refer one to you through our affiliates program and our friends over at Jackson Lewis. Okay, <clears throat> changes that are coming down the pike for January 2021. If you have not yet op- uh, opened, <laughs> not yet ordered your posters, you're going to want to do so. And this is the last week through the month of January. We always go through all the poster updates and make sure that everybody gets a chance uh, to know who's changing and what and when and give you an opportunity to kick off the year strong just by doing one simple compliance thing. Okay, so if you are in the following states, you have poster changes. Alaska, Arizona, California, Florida, Illinois, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Missouri, Montana, Nevada, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, South Dakota, Vermont, and Washington State. You guys all have poster updates. As a matter of fact, I was laughing because Alexa behind me uh, responded, no, I don't. 
And all right, so <laughs> so those states again, real fast, Alaska, Arizona, California, Colorado, Florida, Illinois, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Missouri, Montana, Nevada, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, South Dakota, Vermont, Washington. You guys all have poster updates. <clears throat> Next, the following cities, all right, Flagstaff, Arizona. In the following cities in California, Belmont, Cupertino, Daly City, El Cerrito, Half Moon Bay, Hayward, California, Los Altos, Menlo Park, Mountain View, Nevada, Oakland, Palo Alto, Petaluma, Redwood, Richmond, San Carlos, San Diego, San Francisco, San Jose, San Mateo, <clears throat> Santa Clara, Santa Rosa, Sonoma, South San Francisco, and Sunnyvale. Call those day all those municipalities. You guys have and men you have uh, you actually have supplements. <clears throat> Denver, Colorado, Portland, Maine, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Bernalillo, Las Cruces, New Mexico, New York, New York, Seattle, and SeaTac, Washington. You all also have uh, supplemental postings as well. Now, here's an opportunity for you guys to go ahead and actually get your posters from a reputable company that is not going to be sending you scare tactic uh, marketing material, and that is laborlawcc.com laborlawcc.com use code posters 2021 and get 25% off your posters and you'll be able to uh, get on the right list with the right people they're absolutely awesome I've been referring them for years really like what they do <clears throat> and uh, you're in good hands over there guys news across the nation all right so we've got some movement going on and if you'd like to get access to more employment news and state-specific updates hop on over and sign up for the hr resource site here's where you're actually be able to gain current hr news which includes six major employment news categories uh giving you updates on covid employment law updates litigation collective bargaining and unionization affirmative action eeo one reporting and ofccp updates this is great for government contractors uh, disability. Okay. You get real time comprehensive updates for individual states, over a hundred streaming articles from nearly 70 different resources across the U S and one in Canada. There's downloadable HR tools, videos, case law summaries, and lots more stuff that's going up. And we just uploaded, uh, the update last week on the EEO wellness program determinations that actually came out earlier in the month. You can get access literally to this massive amount of information for only $9 a month. And I keep this low on purpose because I want you to have access to the important information because HR is really, <laughs> part of it really is more self-service than full service at the pump. And so the more, <clears throat> and, and certainly more so this today than ever before, there's a lot of information out there. And I'm telling you right now, this is going to help you cut right on through it. We've been making a lot of changes on the site over the year, and it's I'm pretty excited about how it is. Now, you can register for this by visiting brendathehrlady.com and click the HR Resources site link at the top, and you'll have access to the library of practical and tactical HR tools, videos, resources, and events for HR practitioners to utilize and work through the complex issues that exist out there. I also offer a 15-day love it or get your money back guarantee. So you guys can go ahead and hop on over. It's less than three cups of coffee a week for the whole month. So it's, it's pretty amazing stuff. All right, new employment news headlines across the nation. <clears throat> the EEOC has revised their guidance on religious discrimination in the workplace. Now, let me help you understand what this means. What they have revised is not 
the law per se, okay? They do, this has no influence of law. What this is, <clears throat> is it helps you understand their approach to dealing with and enforcing law and in regards to and how they actually um, go through their evaluation on religious discrimination in the workplace. So it's not, they haven't changed any laws, it's just their approach on how they deal with it, okay? Um, President Biden calls for reinstating and expanding mandatory paid leave as part of the COVID relief package. So be on the lookout for changes there. New leadership is taking place at the OFCCP and the National Labor Relations Board. So when that happens, that means changes are coming down. <clears throat> you are definitely going to want to tune in, dial in, and uh, stay on top of what's happening because especially if you're government contractor, these things are going to start changing. Now, the Department of Labor has also addresses independent contractor status of tractor-trailer drivers under the FL FLSA, and they had recently released several opinion letters. So this is a great opportunity for you to jump in and take a look at their new opinion letters that have been released. And finally, the Sixth Circuit has actually struck down uh, contractually shortened limitations period for certain claims under the ADA and the ADEA. So lots of good stuff out there. <clears throat> You'll be able to find access to these links and informant dates and information on this in the HR resource site. If you have any questions, by all means, you can go ahead and reach out to me. There are approximately 2,500 members of the U.S. Special Operations Community who transition out of active duty military service every single year. The Honor Foundation has dedicated its mission to serving these elite individuals on their journey to prepare for life once they take off the uniform. In the past few years, we've begun our own journey to reach this number, launching three physical campuses in San Diego, California, Virginia Beach, Virginia, and near Wilmington, North Carolina, along with a virtual campus to reach members of the community anywhere on the planet. I spent 26 years in the special operations community as a SEAL. I graduated from THS program, I served on the board of directors, and now I'm proud to lead this organization into the future to continue assisting these transitioning service members and their families. Our dedicated team, our world-class program, and our incredible tribes of supporters are standing by to help THF alumni and future fellows, and are committed to providing the best possible support system and resources to better serve this community. Our vision for the Honor Foundation is clear to impact every transitioning service member from the U.S. Special Operations Enterprise through our programs and support, and to be a catalyst for overhauling the entire DOD transition program. It's a big task, but the community deserves it, and we're driving full steam ahead to make this a reality. If you've been inspired with what the Honor Foundation's done in the last five years, I welcome you all to join us as we craft the next chapter in defining what it means to serve others with honor for life. Right, so recently I've been speaking on what employers should keep in mind when it comes to mandating COVID vaccines over at the workplace. And I thought I'd just go ahead and share with you some of the great takeaways that I've been sharing with other folks and really kind of helping a lot of these uh, attendees and participants figure out what to do and, and answer some of their questions. So before I actually uh, get into some of the questions, um, what I want to do is I want to share with you guys a couple of really, really important points 
that you have to keep in mind as first off as you're listening to this episode and then secondly as you are possibly considering this as an action as well and I'm going to tell you right off at the top just right out through the gate right now I'm not a fan of mandating vaccines in the workplace for a couple reasons number one um, my personal standpoint my professional standpoint is that there is such a thing as consumer's choice and right now, <clears throat> the federal is, government is not going down that road of mandating, and I don't believe they will. Um, I think if you are trying to enforce something on somebody, um, I, don't, I just don't believe in that. Um, there are certain vaccines out there that we have to get when we're children. Someone you made that point earlier to me today. I thought it was a really great point. And, you know, those particular types of diseases that are out there are way more crippling and way have way way larger consequences. You know, that was horrible grammar, but <laughs> bear with me. The consequences are more great <clears throat> as it pertains to measles, mumps, and rubella and, and those other things. Um, so anyway, kick that off. My other professional opinion is also that <clears throat> there's a lot of risk in doing this, and that's what we're going to cover today. Uh, the vaccine in general will actually be a very hotly contested debate in 2021. And promise you, promise you, promise you, it is the oncoming future subject of litigation. It is going to hit the courts. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who it is, how it happens, but I promise you it's going to be in the court. Okay. <clears throat> so the big question that people have been asking are, can employers require employees to get the vaccine as a condition of employment? And so a condition of employment um, is something that you need to understand as well. So a condition of employment is something that is mutually agreed upon roughly <clears throat> by the employee and the employer uh, to which maintains a person's employment with the company. So give you an example. <clears throat> Job description is a, con a consider a con <laughs> condition of employment. Oh my gosh, it will not come out. Condition of employment. A job application is a condition of employment. A resume, not so much. A I-9 is not a condition of an employment. So a condition, an I-9 is required to be completed by the employer, but it is not a mutually agreed upon condition that will allow an employee to work or not work. There are other stipulations around that, that yes, everybody who works here in the United States must be, an author, must be authorized to work, and it is the employer's responsibility to complete the I-9 and verify that information, but it is not deemed as a condition of employment. All right. <clears throat> so that's that. And if you want to look up the legal, the legal example of it, matter of fact, one of the things I recommend you guys do, if you haven't, if you don't have one, I suggest you actually get it. It's called Black's Law Dictionary. You can get a used copy of it over on um, Amazon. I've I have two of them. <clears throat> the one that sits next to me now is the ninth edition, actually. And, it, you know, you can look up legal, legal definitions if you need to. And it's, it's actually quite helpful. Um, it doesn't necessarily help you solve the problem, but it does help put phrases and things into context. So really, really great resource. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so that's the big question. <clears throat> can employers require employees to get the vaccine as a condition of employment? And the answer is it's possible, but it comes with a mountain, I mean literal mountain of challenges. And the two areas that it is going to impact is discrimination against religion and discrimination against disabilities. So 
in regards to the EEO's situation and their position on it, okay, the EEOC has yet to issue specific guidance on COVID-19 vaccinations with the exception that <clears throat> employers must be able to um, provide appropriate carve-outs for covered employees as it pertains to anti-discrimination laws. All right. Now, if you look back in 2009, when the H1N1 flu pandemic came out, they issued guidance stressing that an employer considering a mandatory vaccine policy must comply with Title VII and the ADA. <clears throat> and where this falls into place is under religion. All right. Certain religions prohibit certain types of medical care. And it, there's a couple of websites that you can check out. There's actually called religionfacts.com backslash religions and then humanreligions.info backslash religions.html. You can look at those two websites. <clears throat> They're going to give you some pretty good information. But there are specific types of religions that prohibit different types of medical care, right? So you can't violate that. <clears throat> An employee... So when you have somebody that comes up and, and a, a uh, protection occurs with religion, in other words, what actually triggers it, what makes those things happen, it happens in a couple of ways. Employees must inform the employer that a sincere religious belief conflicts with a job requirement. All right? The employer, therefore, is obligated to make reasonable accommodations for the employee's religious beliefs and practices. Now, an employer exception it would be doing so would result in an undue hardship to the employer. And it is very clear as to what the definition of undue hardship is. And I'm going to tell you right now, because we're going to look at American with Disabilities Act, undue hardship is not the same definition under both of these law under both of these areas. Okay. The EEOC has defined undue hardship as more than a minimal burden on the operation of the business, which therefore creates a relatively low bar for the employer to actually overcome. Okay, <clears throat> but that is what it is. Now, violations to the Title VII <clears throat> may subject an employer to significant damages. Now, that would include back pay, which is unpaid wages for a specific span of time, compensatory damages, which is any payment for loss, and punitive damages, which would be court-level penalties. And the thing is, when it comes to uh, religious discrimination and violations against religious protections, it's you're just not looking at one. You're looking at a combination of maybe two or all three of them. Okay, so it gets very, very expensive and very painful to to go through something like this. Now, employees also must do. Uh, oh, excuse me. Under the American Disabilities Act, for instance, an employee may have a medical condition or a disability that prevents him or her from receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. All right. Now, ADA places restrictions on an employer's ability to exclude an individual with a disability from the workforce without first providing reasonable accommodations. <clears throat> an employer must also offer these accommodations unless it would place an undue hardship on the employer or the employee uh, poses a direct threat to the health and safety of others. Now, this is where it starts getting kind of weird, okay? This is where it gets really sketch. So let's take a look at undue hardship. <clears throat> An undue hardship is defined by under the ADA as one of two things. Either another undue hardship is a potentially, could. there's a couple of things, but two main ones that usually stick around are the environment, in other words, the request would change the nature of the environment of which the employee works in, right? So for an example, um, let's say for example, you hire somebody to come in, you work in a library, and you hire somebody to answer phones and greet people at the counter. 
Well, that person hire comes in, very lovely individual. And after two and a half weeks of working, they come up to you and say, hey, listen, I can't hear the phone ringing because I have a hearing impairment. Is it possible that you could put a loud bell and a flashing light so I can see and hear when the phone is ringing? Well, what's the nature of a library? It's a place where people can come in, they relax, it's quiet, they can work, and they can, you know, engage in whatever type of intellectual uh, activity that they are participating in without interruption or with very little interruption and distraction, all right? Putting in a big honking light and a very loud bell is actually going to change the nature of the environment. So that doesn't work, right? <clears throat> so that's one. The other thing is that if uh, the accommodation were to impose a significant financial, I mean, significant financial burden on the employer, the employer does not necessarily need to um, adhere to the accommodation or honor it. Now, that all takes place through the interactive process and through having conversations with your employment attorney. So as I told the group earlier, do not try and navigate these waters by yourself, okay? promise you you're going to do something that is not going to work in your favor. All right. Now, here's where it gets wonky. All right. <clears throat> We're talking about the employee posing a direct threat to the health and safety of others. Now, this is where our laws kind of start to bash their heads. And this is where stuff starts to conflict. And there's all these yeah, buts and what ifs and the teeter totter of going back and looking at how things are. Okay. The employer must offer these accommodations unless again, they would be placed in an undue hardship, got that covered or pose an employees posed in a direct threat. Now an employee must notify the employer of his or her disability and request a workplace accommodation. And, the, and this is what triggers a protection under ADA, <clears throat> oh, excuse me, disabilities. Yeah, ADA. The employer should meet with the employee to explore mutually agreeable accommodations sufficient to allow the employee to continue working in his or her current capacity. Remote work, right? If you're able to support somebody working from home, that's perfect, right? That that could be considered a, an, a, an accommodation, okay? Potential accommodations should also include things such as requiring a mask in the workplace or adjusting the employee's duties to minimize the risk of transmission. However, nothing obligates an employer to change or remove an employee's essential job functions as an accommodation. <clears throat> so that's very important to note. The employer is excused from implementing an ADA accommodation under one or two circumstances. First, the employer will not be required to provide the accommodation if it would present an undue hardship or, in other words, cause substantial operational difficulties or expense to the employer. Okay? The ADA's undue hardship standard is complicated, and it's more stringent than the Title VII standard, <clears throat> turning on each situation's individual's facts. So you again, that's where all this interactive process and really working with your uh, labor attorney, uh, employment attorney, to determine what exactly you need to do. An employer is not obligated to grant an accommodation request even with the accommodation. The employee would pose a direct threat to the employer, other employees, or to the general public. And in the context of a COVID-19 vaccine, the question is whether any form of degree accommodation would mitigate the substantial harm posed by an unvaccinated employee. That is one of the things that I, <laughs> I would be willing to put money on is going to come out of a litigated case. Okay, <clears throat> we are likely going to wind up seeing something at some point in time regarding that 
that last sentence, in the context of a COVID vaccine, the question is whether any form or degree of accommodation would mitigate the substantial harm posed by an unvaccinated employee. <clears throat> this exception will likely apply where the employee works with vulnerable po populations such as hospitals, nursing homes, and schools. All right. But this exception is not guaranteed even in high risk settings. That's very important to, to know as well. All right. Under OSHA, people are waiting for OSHA to say something as well. So OSHA is responsible for regulating and enforcing workplace safety. It also has not mandated employee vaccines as well. So EEOC and OSHA have not come out with this. However, this is where it also starts getting weird, right? This is where we're going back and forth a little bit more. Section 5A1 of the Occupational Safety and Health Act imposes a general duty clause on employers to provide a safe and healthy workplace and protect employees against workplace hazards that could cause an accident or an illness or that would most likely result in a death or serious physical harm. So here we are. <laughs> right? So we've got, do we give them an accommodation or do we not? Do we, you know, how do we protect employees under OSHA? How, what can we do? What can't we do? Okay. All of this is going to come out this year. Guarantee it. I have no doubt in my mind. It's going to happen. Okay. In 2009, once again, with the H1N1 flu pandemic, they had issued guidance stressing that an employer considering a mandatory vaccine policy must also comply with Title VII in the ADA. <clears throat> so there you go. Employees may contend that employers who do not require vaccines are putting their workforce at risk in violation of Section 5A1. So now this tail skips again, right? On the other hand, it's going to go to the other side. OSHA may protect employees who refuse to be vaccinated where, employee reason where an employee reasonably believes and can demonstrate that the result of receiving a vaccine, the employee should have side effects or suffer consequences that could lead to serious injury or death. So we're constantly on this back and forth, right? <clears throat> it's like watching that seesaw. One argument tips it and then it tips the scale in the other direction, right? OSHA, again, has not made a determination on mandating vaccines. Okay, but wait, there's more, <laughs> there's more, there's more, right? When we got through that, there's more, all right? Workers' compensation considerations. Employers must consider how workers' compensation laws actually apply. And not to mention, you have to also take a look at how the state is doing things as well, all right? If an employer requires vaccinations of its employees and an employee is harmed in the process, either due to a side effect from the immunization or otherwise, the employee may have a workers' compensation claim against its employer. You will own the employee's injury for the rest of the employee's life. Guaranteed, all right? However, employers in certain industries could face claim of negligence where they decide not to institute a vaccine program, vaccination program. So there we go. Just tips one more time. All right. Whether workers' compensation laws apply to harm and side effects allegedly caused by COVID-19 vaccinations, those will vary on a case-by-case -case and a state-by-state -state basis. All right. More issues and employer considerations actually are arising in the union-related area as well, okay? So Section 7 under the National Labor Relations Act also protects employees' rights to engage in concerted activity. And let me help you understand something. If you're, if you're new to this, <clears throat> i help you understand what concerted and protective activity is. So protected activity, let's start with protected. Protected activity is, uh, here's a really good example. So let's say, for example, Sally and Susie are in the break room and they start talking about their wages. 
All right. And as much as it is unprofessional and as much as it throws a real chink in the armor over in your workplace, and it's one of those things where it's, you realize it's confidential information. You got two employees that are really having what you feel is an inappropriate conversation. It's actually protected. Okay. Employees are permitted under the protection of the National Labor Relations Act to talk about workplace conditions. And that also includes their wages. All right. <clears throat> they can blast it on social media. They can, you know, tie it to the banner of a car and drive it around all over the place. They can do those things, all right? And it's protected. Now, concerted means that it's more than one person that's engaged in that protected activity. So you have a small group or a large group of people, concerted and protected activity. It means a group of people can be discussing their workplace and it's protected. And they can, excuse me, their workplace conditions and it is protected. So that's what that means. All right, so employers must exercise due care and actually should consult with their employment attorney before taking any type of adverse employment action against the employee who collectively discusses, objects to, or protests an employer's mandated uh, vaccination as it could lead to an unfair labor practice charge being lodged against the employer, okay? So when you're talking about this adverse employment action, adverse action meaning that is a known action that the company is taking, and, and we've talked about this before in the past too. So you have adverse action, okay? Then you have adverse impact. Adverse impact is when on the surface, it seems like the actions that you're doing are noble and they're, you know, they're doing what's in the best interest of everybody. But when you dig a little bit deeper, you find that you actually are violating uh, and discriminating or violating some form of legal action. So uh, that's the impact. So it's, it, there's disparity in there somewhere. Okay, so revisions to a collective bargaining agreement are going to be required, all right? So you have to know what's in the collective bargaining agreement. And additional uh, NLRB rulings and determinations could actually change quite quickly in the future, especially now that we've got some new leadership there. So we're not really quite sure what's going to happen, okay? So here's some considerations. So employers who choose to require the COVID-19 vaccines or other health screens or fit for duty tests must ensure that they are number one, first and foremost, they are job related. Do not send anybody for a fit, a fit for duty test if it is not related to their position. Okay. You will be sorry and it'll be expensive and it'll take time off of your life if an employee turns around and actually provides uh, and, and decides to take you to court. Okay, so it's job related. It is essential. It's essential to the nature of the position. Do not discriminate even beyond the religious and uh, disability scenarios that we provided. And it includes color, national origin and pregnancy. Okay, and this is something that's kind of tricky when it comes for fit for duty tests or any type of examination or, you know, assessment, I should say, <clears throat> is that you got to make sure that there's no disparity for economically disadvantaged individuals or those individuals that come uh, from color, national origin, or pregnancy. And whatever you do, <laughs> I've seen this happen and it was not pretty. Don't ever tell a pregnant woman that pregnancy is considered a disability under Title VII. She will rip your face off. <laughs> actually saw that happen. Manager thought he was doing the right thing, educating an employee. She got highly offended. I swear to God, she almost took a tire iron to his face. It was not good. It was a really, really bad moment. A lot of tears were shed, more on the manager's part than, than it was the pregnant woman. Don't do it. Bad, bad, bad. Okay. 
especially when it's a first time mom. All right. They are glowing and loving all of this. So don't go there. All right. It remains to see whether the government at the local or state or federal level will actually mandate a COVID-19 vaccine. So there you go. There's nothing to be determined out there. Everything is still in the state of ambiguity. Okay. If so, for whom and under what circumstances will require a determination? Now, government issued mandates could override some or all employer considerations and issues. Now, your next question could be, that's great. But what about these anti-vaxxers? What if an employee refuses to get vaccinated? So, good question. Under the current federal legal structure, employers can mandate vaccines. Employers can terminate employees for refusing to to get vaccinated. However, as you can tell, don't really consider it a plausible, viable path forward, okay? Here are the considerations, all right? Under certain state and local jurisdictions, they actually may prohibit mandating vaccines, okay? Public sector employees and private sector employees in California also must consider whether mandating vaccines raises an additional privacy-related concern. So that's like California's way of saying, okay, so we know we can't discriminate against religion. We know we can't discriminate against disability. Um, We know that there's a lot of risk when it comes to taking something on like this because any harm could come to the employee. It could also hit with workers' compensation. Oh, yeah, by the way, it's protected under privacy-related law. Maybe. You got to do your due diligence, all right? So you can see that there's a great deal of risk in in actually doing this. So how your considerations are going to impact your culture, you need to think about that. Your employee turnover, because not everybody is going to want to take this vaccine. There's a lot of people, a lot of people. From what I've been gathering, it's about 50-50 mix right now. 50% 50% of the population is willing to take it. Another 50% are just want to kind of hang back and see what this thing does. I'm in the latter 50%. I, I don't know what this thing is capable of doing. There could be some long-term effects to it. There could be some short-term effects to it. We just don't know, okay? Um, cost per hire, per employee hire, that is going to be impacted. Cost per employee termination, that'll be Im- impacted as well, okay? Your ability to recruit, hire, and fill positions, is going to be impacted. And that's already challenging enough in many sectors of our workforce right now, even though our unemployment rate is continuing to drop. All right. <clears throat> it's also going to, other considerations are, you know, how are you going to avoid lawsuits and mitigate risk? All right. So, so you definitely want to look at that. So now I've told you all of the things that are weighing heavy on making your decision, but here's some things that you can do. You can encourage your employees to consider the vaccine, all right? Employers should assess and monitor closely local legislation and executive orders as it pertains to that. And, you know, again, if you heard me say at least six times, make sure that you consult with an employment attorney before taking on such an important decision and executing on it, such as policy and employee terminations. Now, one of the things that you can do uh, to get information is that you can also work with your whoever your medical benefits provider is, see if they have any information or flyers or marketing material or slicks or whatever you want to call it that will educate people on uh, getting the COVID vaccine. But just know, don't shove this stuff down people's throat. This still is not any, this is still a big future path moving this forward, okay? So as I've been doing this type of presentation, 
right? And, and delivering this information. There's some questions that have come up that I thought were really, really great. Okay. So one of the questions that I answer on a regular basis, what are your recommendations for having those who don't want or can't get the vaccine to sign a declination? <clears throat> so I, you know, some of the questions that I, that I'm getting, I think are really awesome questions and, and not from the standpoint that I'm taking a side on it. I think they're just really good questions. And these are, and it's really awesome to see how people are thinking through this. All right. So <clears throat> if people don't want to have, or can't get the vaccine, do they sign something off? So first off, as a blanket statement, yet again, as you're talking to your employment attorney, not general counsel, not business counsel. It has to be an employment attorney. All right. Um, you know, they're going to be taught if you, if you want to pursue a policy, they're going to be able to help you write something, but more than likely, um, you know, there's a trust by trust, but verify element in here somewhere. <clears throat> and you have to be able to back up your documentation. If you put a policy like this in place, that's just logic and common sense. I don't know what employment attorneys are saying, but as, a, as putting myself back in the HRC, that would be one of the things that I would definitely want to put into place. However, in doing so, you actually may also be required to adhere to HIPAA regulations as it is to protecting medical information because after all, a vaccine is a medical form of treatment, right? So that's very, very possible. I would expect that, all right? I would definitely expect to have that conversation with the employment attorney. All right, uh, when we read that mandating the vaccine is illegal because it essentially has emergency approval and did not go through the standard FDA regulations, is it illegal to mandate? Well, all right, so I wanted to share this question to you because I do know this information is out there. I can't speak to it. I, we can't speak to that stuff. I mean, the FDA is given approval to go ahead and disperse the vaccine. And if somebody feels that the vaccine is illegal and it only has emergency approval and it didn't go through the standard FDA regulations, you are welcome to go ahead and file a, a lawsuit against that. I, 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 have, I have no place to stand on that. Okay. Uh, can you require proof of a vaccination? Again, when you're talking to your employment attorney, um, if you are mandating the vaccine, then more than likely, yes, you will probably need to obtain some form of proof. Again, that's just logic. But you're also going to have to take into consideration who has access to the information, how it is filed and stored, and then also how it's used. Because it's very likely that somebody could discriminate against somebody because they have or have not taken the vaccine. Okay, so I wouldn't be surprised if that pops up as well. All right. Now, do you foresee these guidelines will change over the next few months? Hard to say. <laughs> it's really hard to say. We have no idea what's coming down. All of 2020 was a, that's a crapshoot. It was a total guessing game the entire time. And I would be willing to bet that the majority of 2021, although we're not in this flurried panic state like we were in 2020, trying to adapt to this new national, you know, actually international crisis, um, I think that's very possible that we will probably see some shifts and changes in guidelines, but we just don't know what they are. Okay. All right. Next question. Can we screen new hires by asking if they've received a vaccine? Awesome question. And my thought process on this, this is not a definite determination. And like I said, in answering all these questions and talking to you about this, look, you guys, I'm just sharing you my years of experience and how I look at this information. Um, 
I would still not move forward, me personally and professionally, without consulting an employment attorney. I would not go down this road by myself. Absolutely not. Um, so to answer the question, can you, uh, can, you, can, you ask, can you screen new hires by asking if they had a vaccine? My impression is, is that if you are a company that's in the healthcare sector, um, it is a company that serves the public, like they do first aid training, or it's emergency services, private companies that hold emergency services, um, people that support uh, fire, police, EMS, right? You're dealing with things like bloodborne pathogens. You're dealing with biologics that you could come into contact with people. Um, uh, then you know what? Um, I think that's possible and it's very strong possibility. But again, you need to get that guidance from an employment attorney because none of this is litigated. All of these questions that are coming out and these, and these yeah, buts and what ifs, this is what happens when we introduce something new as it pertains to employment law, it's put into place, employers engage, and then it gets litigated, which means that somebody gets sued or somebody takes something to court to get a court ruling on it, right? This is where we actually form our best practices. And right now we have squat. We have absolutely nothing. So this is kind of a really unique opportunity for people who are in the HRC to actually see the full cycle of how uh, these types of best practices are coming into place. Okay. Which is pretty cool. Um, so it's, a, it's, it's a really unique opportunity to see how these things get formed. Okay. All right. Are there any current memorandum or documents available discussing and analyzing whether employers should mandate vaccinations? Haven't seen any. Uh, can you speak to the rising trend of employers opening up their commercial properties as vaccination sites? I can't to that, but a friend of mine actually was talking to last night. He was sharing with me that a lot of commercial properties that have become vacant have now opened up and contracted their facilities out for COVID testing, which I think is really cool. Haven't heard anything about vaccination sites yet. Are there updated guidelines for businesses to put into practice to help protect employees that are working in an office environment using the assumption that vaccines have not been administered? Um, my recommendation on that would just be to continue following the guidance of the CDC. Um, they are really are the ones that are, are leading the charge as far as what companies should and shouldn't be doing. If an employer does not mandate the COVID vaccine, can we ask employees if they received the vaccine or are getting it? Well, again, that comes back down to what's your policy? What's your practice? What's the intention of the, what are you going to get out of that? What is, why would you want to ask that question to begin with? Okay. You're not legally entitled to any form of medical information on behalf of an employee unless it is part of a fit for duty test or you are ex exposed to it as part of FMLA or American with Disabilities Act. Right. So Again, you would have to, if you're setting a policy, if you're setting a precedence or a practice, you definitely need to bounce this information off of an employment attorney. Okay. Last question. If we decide to mandate the vaccine, would you suggest to include in the job description that they can sign? Well, that's a really good question. And I actually kind of, it took me a while to think through this one. So this is what I came up with. So if we're going back into, take a look at what healthcare professionals are doing. Okay. I would mimic that because healthcare professionals, they take shots for um, hepatitis, 
they're constantly wanted, uh, monitored for HIV. There's, you know, the risk of sticks and pricks uh, with needles. Um, like I said, bloodborne path, path, oh my gosh, bloodborne pathogens, access to bodily fluids, uh, and those transmissions can take place. I would, I would lump that just again, logic, if it were me, I would be lumping that into that category, but I don't foresee vaccines being a condition of employment. All right. Now I could be dead wrong. Government can come out and somehow change all the laws to make that happen. But I think there's too much that's out there that prohibits that from happening. Mainly our laws around religious uh, discrimination and discrimination against American with Disabilities Act. So I don't anticipate that happening. That's just my speculation. You have to come to your own conclusions and more than likely an employment attorney will probably wind up kind of going down that road as well. That would be my guess. Um, so I would not put it in the job description, to be honest with you. Um, but it would could potentially be part of the fit for duty, which would require those types of inoculations, those types of uh, vaccines. Um, that's a very strong possibility. So I hope this information has helped you out. Um, it hasn't given you any definitive yays or nays. I understand that, but this really is the landscape of where we are and what we are looking at. And, um, you know what? Stay tuned guys. And, oh, by the way, so, uh, if you, if you haven't caught the real HR show yet with Suzanne Lucas and I, Suzanne has a phenomenal phrase. And that is if you're going to court as an employer, Make sure that you are never the first employer to ever go to court over a specific issue. And I love that phrase. Man, I wish it was mine and I can own it, but I can't. So I'm going to give her kudos and credits to it. I've added two 20-minute walks a day. And I did it, first started doing it in 16 degree weather in Chicago. It's on my Instagram and Facebook stories. It's cold. I mean, it was real cold. But moving, it's moving. It's moving. It's moving. It's moving. And that's what matters. All right. Thankfully, I've been very fortunate to stay healthy all throughout 2020, despite the stress. And you know, I'm super big on taking care of yourself. So you can take care of everything else that demands your attention. And 2020 was no exception to that. 2021 totally ramping up in the same direction. And you know I care about everybody's ability to get rest and recover because it's a huge focus on mine. So I thought I would share with you, again, what I use to stay healthy. So first off, um, in between when I get like snacky, hungry, I actually use a scoop in, just in some water <clears throat> on naked, the Naked Warrior Recovery Super Greens. All right, It's got a really cool apple flavor to it. I also uh, bust open a shot of True Lean Immunity Shot, especially when I'm getting tired and I have a craving for caffeine. Uh, that actually has a nice shot of B12 in it. And it also has elements such as pepper and, uh, what's the other one that is in there? It's, just, it's like right on the tip of my tongue and I can see it. Anyway, um, absolutely tumor. Never mind. Anyway. <laughs> It's just, trust me, it's in there. It's great. Uh, it bumps up your immunity, gives you a really good shot of energy, and it keeps you on going through the day. All right, moving on. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Naked Warrior Recovery Immunity Booster. Two tablets a day does the trick. Um, um, MASF multi-plant-based multivitamin. In addition to that, I'm back on 
two green drinks a day from Smashing Greens from MASF and uh, two meals. I'm down to one meal a day again. So I'm actually doing a fast, but I got to tell you something. I, I feel really, really great. And I will be honest with you that my, my trip to Chicago was very, very, very stressful. It was two and a half weeks, high stress environment. And I would not have done well had I not been putting my body, putting, putting this stuff in my body. Okay. I know that for a fact. So if you'd like to learn more, follow me on my social platforms where I periodically share uh, more information and all that. The HR planner, we got our new planners in. We just got our, our reship of it. They are already selling. If you don't know what this is or you haven't gotten your copy yet, it is a fantastic 60-page planner that takes you through a wealth of information, helps you understand what the roles and the responsibilities are between a generalist and a manager. Uh, helps you understand what laws you need to follow based off of your company size. It gives you a high-level overview of all of the compliance deadlines for 2021. You have a 12-month actual planner where you can start writing in and, and physically take a look at dates so that you can plan and plot when you need to do specific things. You also has um, a high-level overview of all of the holidays for the year, plus a lot more. In addition to that, it also gives you access to a secret hidden website that has links to every single law that is covered and discussed in this book. It's phenomenal. Government contractors, great information for you as well. So definitely take, a, take an opportunity to do that. You can get your copy of it, <clears throat> get your head start still. It's, it's only January. Uh, we got 11 more months to go. And you can do that by visiting brendathehrlady.com. Click shop at the top, and then you can place your order from there. Um, like I said, we've already actually had to reorder new planners, and the feedback that we're getting is just absolutely awesome. So thank you if you already purchased your coffee. Copy, and if you, if you haven't yet, by all means, hop on it, and it's going to make your 2021 a lot more easier because you'll be organized. Email me your email, your HR questions. Um, I, I'm going to actually forego this for this week because we just did a whole segment. We had a lot of questions coming in. Um, but you can submit your questions at brendathehrlady.com, the website, by clicking on the podcast link from the menu. Down towards the bottom of the podcast page is a submission form for you to go ahead and post your question, which may be read and answered on an upcoming episode. Um, also, we've got Next Gen Women in HR Community. It is a, uh, it is a closed group but it is a group that will absolutely welcome you in. We've got real awesome questions, real awesome conversations with real awesome people, and uh, really, really looking forward to watching that grow. We're almost up to 300 people, and it's pretty absolutely awesome. But in order to get in, you have to answer questions. If you don't answer them, we don't let you in. Okay, we do this on purpose to make sure that one, HR people really are the ones that are part of the group and not outside interests. And two, we also want to know what your challenges and ambitions are, okay? You can also follow me over in Clubhouse, the newest, hottest rage in social media by all means. And I'm speaking over there now on a more regular basis. I speak in two clubs. We've, I've started the HR Club. You just type in HR Club. It'll pop right up. <clears throat> you can go ahead and jump on. That's a little bit different. We've got a number of people that follow that from entrepreneurs to people that are doing multiple jobs within the market. They want to know what's going on. It's a great place to come in. Um, if you, you know, if you have topics that you even want to talk about, that's what the club is for. Anybody can go ahead and address that. Also, um, 
you'll find me over in the in government and the club for government contractors as well. So if you're a government contracting uh, professional and or HR person supporting government contractors, I highly recommend that if you can get on Clubhouse before it's blown wide open and you're waiting for your invite, just literally go in, sign in, jump on the waiting list. Somebody's bound to see your name and they'll invite you in. Okay. But go in and join those two clubs. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Clubhouse, all in the same moniker, at Brenda the HR Lady. You can also find me on LinkedIn at Brenda Neckvottle. It's my name, N-E-C-K. Like the thing you want to choke, B as in Victor, A-T-A-L. And I also co-host another awesome show. I mentioned it earlier in the segment called The Real HR Show with the evil HR lady herself, Suzanne Lucas. And you can find us doing that every Monday over on YouTube if you search for The Real HR Show. Also, if you guys are listening to this, please, if you would do me such a huge favor, hop over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you listen to this and leave a five-star review. I certainly appreciate it. And if you know somebody who's in HR and they're struggling with some information, you know, share this information with them. Let them know that the podcast is out there. And we're actually waiting for an announcement. Hopefully it will come through. Hopefully I'm not going to shoot myself in the foot saying this, but that's okay. I'm just going to leave you a little teaser on a new channel or a new platform that it's going to stream on, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> so we're waiting for the final determination. And lastly, you want to find me, you can hop on the website at brendathehrlady.com where you can connect with me directly. You can actually, if you have a question, you can reach out to me. You can set up some time, and I'd be happy to go ahead and do that. Simply visit thebrendahrlady.com and click on Connect at the top, and you can get my best practices delivered directly to your inbox. So, folks, thank you again for yet another awesome episode. I really hope that this helped you all out and provided you with some great information, and we will talk to you soon.